0: Welcome to CIS Internet Radio. Sisters in Spirit, affectionately called this, is a nurturing environment for women that inspires harmony in everyday living, shares resources that empower, offers information and support that nourishes the soul, balances our mental and physical well being, and promotes inner peace and heightened spirituality. Our vision is a world where women live consciously harmoniously, and spiritually to positively impact our lives and the lives of those with whom we come into contact. Join us as we live life with style, grace, and, of course, much joy. Good evening, all, and thank you for joining the SIS Financial Literacy Education Program webinar series. Today, we will address the fifth step on your ladder of financial stability, creating and building wealth. Step one was mind over money, building abundance consciousness, and really owning the fact that you can be financially successful. Step two was relating careers and education to income so that you understand what and how much income and how much education you need for your financial goals. Step three is planning and managing money. It's all about budgeting and saving. Step four, managing credit and debt, using credit and debt to serve you rather than imprisoning your choices. And tonight, we stand on step five, create and build wealth. We're dedicating tonight's show to generations X and Y, who may be programmed to fail if they are amongst those who believe that they can succeed financially in the same manner that their parents may have. Tonight, we want to make sure that you are able and understand how to create wealth that is right for your generation. Yet if you're waiting to create wealth, your biggest obstacle may be that exactly that, that you are waiting. So tonight, let's get started with our guest, Christina Rubenaria of Oxygen Financial, who is here with us to talk about building wealth for generations X and Y in this economy. Christina, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm blessed and really privileged to be able um, to be part of the show and. You know, a lot of things that I tell my clients and some of the people that I deal with is really that this is part of my ministry, you know, in in helping people build their wealth and really educate them about their finances. Um, You know, I just first want to tell you a little bit about myself, you know, before we start to get into the slideshow. But, um, you know, basically I've been in the financial industry for about uh, eight and a half years now. Uh, I am a certified financial planner. I actually started my career at a large company called American Express Financial Advisors. And in 2007, I actually went independent um, with my company that I work for now called Oxygen Financial. And one of the biggest reasons why I I went with Oxygen and why I went independent was because I, I wanted to have more freedom and control of my future. And I wanted to essentially help my clients do well for themselves and and not be tied to a large company, um, and so with oxygen, you know, as we've mentioned earlier, our our um, goal is to really help Generation X and Gen- Generation Y um, clientele, and these people are essentially uh, people between their mid twenties um, and you know mid fifties, so anywhere in that time uh, that age range. I also have clients who are right out of school and. You know, even um, I've also talked to um, people who are, whose kids are in high school still and really helping them do financial planning. Um, and so with that, you know, uh, um, what I want to make sure of is that, you know, giving you some of that background, you know, I've I've been through it. Um, I've been able to help clients plan. I've planned for myself. And, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we understand that there, we can definitely build our wealth, but there are also – um, there are also, you know, roadblocks to, you know, really our financial success. And so with that being said, I'd like us to, to turn to, um, you know, our presentation. And so the first couple pages... So before you into
0: know, the, the presentation itself, let me tell the audience where they can find it. If okay. you go to the Sisters in Spirit website, you will... See our financial literacy education program. Once you click there and you scroll down, you will see Create and Build Wealth. The presentation that Christina is sharing with us tonight is is located there. And I wanted to mention too the pun on the name of the company, um, Oxygen Financial. It's a small lowercase O capital X, Y, Gen, representing Generation X and Y financials. And their goal is to help Gen X and Y breathe easier around their financial health. So hopefully you've had that moment to get to the website and find the presentation. And we'll get started.
1: Okay, so... What I want to share with you today is are the five ro- five roadblocks to financial success. Um, and the first thing I w- I really want to share with you is a game called the numbers game. If you turn to the third slide, I want you to basically look at the 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 numbers, and I want you to try to circle all of the numbers in order, meaning one, two, three, four. I'll give you a few seconds to do that. Try to do it as fast as you can. Okay, mm-hmm. so for those who were able to do it, I want you to ask yourself, how long did it take you to, to get through the numbers that you went through and how how many numbers did you get up to I've had some clients where it's taken them 30 seconds to get up to the number, you know, 20 or to the number 14 and it varies for each person Basically what I typically help clients do is really give them strategy as far as how to how to financially plan in a more strategic way. So if you go to the fourth slide, what you'll notice is that I've given you a cheat sheet to that to that um, uh, numbers game. Basically, if you divide up that piece of paper into four cornerstones, you'll notice that you can circle all of your numbers in a much quicker way. Where the first number one is in the top left, two, four, two, three, and four, and so forth. And so you'll notice that as you know financial planners and, and financial advisors, we want to make sure that all of our clients are really having a, a, a strategic way as far as planning. And so what I want to share with you is you know essentially some of the roadblocks that clients have as far as you know creating and building their wealth. If you turn the fifth slide, it'll show you the five different Um, roadblocks that I've experienced and some of my clients have experienced. The first would be inflation. Second would be taxes. The third would be investments. Fourth would be just normal, everyday human problems. And then the fifth thing is procrastination. I'll go into those specifically, but turn to the next slide, and we'll start with inflation. So the first thing and the first question, you know, that I'll ask is, does anybody know, you know, the cost of a stamp in 1980. Now, I've given you the answer there, but I don't think a lot of people realize that in 1980, the cost of a stamp was only 15 cents. Now, the cost of a stamp today is 46 cents. What that means is that the cost of a stamp over the past 20, little over 20 20 years, has more than tripled. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah, insane.
1: Yeah, it's really crazy, and people don't re- actually realize that. And the same happens to the cost of, you know, bread, milk, gas. You know, for those of you who may be who may remember, gas. You know, in the early '90s was only ninety cents or ninety-nine cents a gallon, but now, depending on where you are in the in the nation, you know, it can range up to you know four dollars per gallon or three. Here in Atlanta, $3.39. And so one of the biggest roadblocks is really counting on inflation. So, how does inflation really make an impact on your savings? If you turn to the next slide, you'll notice it's titled the effect of inflation on your retirement savings. You'll notice that if you, suppose you have $10,000 in a savings account, you get 1% on your your Savings account as far as interest, assuming that you are in a 25% tax bracket and you have 6% state tax um, and a couple other taxes that you know, like social security and fi- like um, social security and Med- Medicare tax, you're up to a 33% tax bracket because you're actually taxed on your interest. That means that interest that you gained is only going to be $67 if you had one percent of interest on your ten thousand dollars of savings. Now at the end of the year, that means your ten thousand dollars with your with your interest will only be ten thousand you know sixty seven dollars. Now here's the big thing is that assuming that there's three percent inflation every year, that means your purchasing power has essentially lost you only two hundred and has lost you $233 of purchasing power. And so, one of the things that you want to make sure we're planning for is inflation when you start to save. That means you typically have to oversave, you know, when it comes to to your, you know, retirement goals, your kids' college education goals. Um, you know, even if you're planning on buying a house in the next three to five years, or you know, going on vacation next year. Sometimes you know inflation can you know increase gas prices, imple- increase plane ticket prices. Um, you know that'll that'll eat up into some of the money that you had planned on spending. Any questions so far?
0: Uh, we don't have any so far.
1: No questions so far. So that's inflation. Now the next roadblock, if you turn to the slide, the slide eight. Is taxes now obviously taxes the tax season is coming right around the corner where I hope everybody's filed their taxes. Um, you know if not, you know you have until eleven fifty nine pm on Monday, and basically when it comes to taxes, one of the biggest things I like to share with clients is where to save your money so that you reduce your tax liability for both now and in the future. And how we take a look at that is through a three-triangle three, um, three triangle approach or a three-cornerstone uh, approach there. And the first triangle that, or excuse me, first portion of the triangle I would want you to look at is your after-tax bucket or after-tax um, um, corner. Basically, money that goes into this after-tax vehicle is money that's been taxed straight from your paycheck. As you save into these vehicles, they grow on a taxable basis, and if you have any increase of savings, you're actually taxed on that increase. That's The, uh, the government says you can put a limited amount of money into this after-tax savings, and the reason being is that You know, why most clients and why most people have money in this after tax corner is because the money is liquid. And all that means is that you can go to your ATM, your checking account, and, you know, not have any penalty to get to the money that's in this after tax bucket. Now, the difference being with the other tax buckets is that with after tax, you know, you you can basically, again, go to the mall, spend it, and you're not going to be penalized on it. Now, the next bucket is your before-tax bucket. This is also known as your pre-tax bucket. So, money in this bucket actually goes into the the accounts pre-tax, meaning you're not going to be taxed on it when you take the money or when you start to save the money in there. Now, the money in here actually grows tax-deferred. And what tax-deferred means is that Uncle Sam's not biting into it every year, so you're getting a snowball effect on your savings, so you're not going to be um, taxed on it while you have it. But when you take the money out of it, it's going to be taxed as 100% as ordinary income. So I'll give you an example that you know would fall into the before-tax bucket. For some of us we actually have um, you know just normal normal jobs that you know pay us our, our salary. Say that you make um, $75,000 as a salary and you have a 401k plan that you can contribute to. Well, part of your salary, say that you put in and save $5,000 into your 401k. That means that from that 75,000 Five thousand goes into your 401k, and you're only taxed on seventy thousand dollars. Now, with that five thousand, because you've never been taxed on it on it before, and it starts to grow. And you know, if you put five thousand in there, and it starts to grow on uh, te- to you know six thousand or ten thousand dollars, when you finally take it out for retirement, it's actually going to be taxed at your tax rate at that time. So the big thing with the before-tax, you know, strategy is really understanding, you know, what's your tax rate today and can you afford to put into your 401k plan. The really cool thing about some employers and some companies is that they give you incentive to put into your 401k plan by giving you a match. And all that means is that if you put in 6% of your salary, they may match you 100% up to 6% of your salary. Okay, the next strategy is your tax-preferred bucket. This is actually one of my favorite buckets. Reason being, it's similar to the first strategy where the money that you put into it is after-tax. So it's money that you already know you've been taxed on. It's similar to the before tax bucket because as it grows, it actually grows tax-deferred. So Uncle Sam's not biting into that, into that, uh, that savings every year. So you're not being taxed on it every year. But when you take money out of that bucket, it actually comes out tax-free, tax-free which is really cool because the government doesn't like to give a lot out free, and, but this is a bucket that if you qualify for it, you can actually take money out tax-free. Now, some people may have heard of Roth IRAs. You know There are what are known as municipal bonds, a portion of your real estate, and the uh, CVLI that is there, all that means it's cash value life insurance. And so for some clients, you know, whether you're in high school, college, you're, you know, in your your mid-40s, whatever it may be, you know, as long as you qualify for it, you know, a Roth IRA might be a really good deal, especially if you think that taxes are going to go up in the future. You know, if you have a part-time job and you're in college and you make uh, $1,000, you can actually put $1,000 into your Roth IRA. An IRA, all that means is your individual retirement account, okay? So that's, you know, the, the second roadblock that that people don't have a grasp on is really how taxes can affect you in the future. And what we want to make sure that, you know, people do is that they have a little bit of savings in all three of those buckets or all three of those strategies, just so that they have choice and control of where they take their savings in the future, Okay. Okay. Now Now, the next strategy is really around investing and understanding your investments. Does anyone know how many stocks make up the Dow Jones Dow Jones Industrial Average? I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> There's you. only 30. Only 3. Thirty. Thirty. Yep. There, it is the the thirty most quoted companies, you know, in the industry or the highest uh, companies or profit making companies in the industry. So, companies that fall into the Dow Jones, which a lot of people say is the market, um, would be like AT and T, um, Boeing, Caterpillar. Um, you have Companies like Coca-Cola that are part of the Dow Jones Industrial. One of the things that you also want to um, be able to do with your investments when whenever you start saving, whether you're saving $100 a month or $1,000 a month, is really figuring out a way to make sure that you reduce your investment risk. Is Do you have, and you want to ask yourself this, is do you have a risk mitigation strategy in place so that if the market goes down, that you won't lose your money. And the biggest thing that clients have is that, you know, they they sometimes invest only in one type of company or in one type of stock. And so they want we want to make sure that all your eggs are not in one basket. And part of that is really, you know, when it comes to your savings and investing is that, you know, back... You know, back in the day when our parents and our grandparents were saving for retirement, they had pensions, they had social security, they also had, you know, their 401k plans. But, but, but for people in our generation and for the companies that we work for now, they don't have pensions. You know, we don't know if we're going to get social security. So it's really up to us to really start putting away savings you know, in our savings accounts or our 401K plans or in our Roth IRA plans. And so, you know, and the, the strategy there is, is you know, once we start to save, you know, how do we continue to get it to grow? And if the market doesn't do very well, how do we make sure we don't lose it? Okay. And, you know, I have here, you know, at your age, but make sure you have the right buckets in place Basically, all that means is that when you start to act your age, you want to make sure that um, you, you take the proper investment strategy based on the time frame for your goal for retirement or for any of your goals. So, for example, if you know I'm, I'm 30 and I want to retire by, by the time I'm 60, that means I have 30 years until my retirement goal. That means when I'm starting to invest into my my stock portfolio, that I could have 30% in bonds and 70% in in equities or other stock like investments. So those are that, those are some ideas around your investments and certain strategies that you want to make sure of. Now, one thing that I do want to explain is when people start to save. If you go to the next slide, and, you know, there is a strategy called dollar cost averaging. Basically, how dollar cost averaging works is that for every month that you save into your 401K or your savings plan or your investment um, plan is that you are essentially investing into the market at the same time. Now, as many people know, the market can sometimes fluctuate. So in January you might be buying at a at a $10 price point. In February when you put the same amount of money in, you might be buying at $5. In March, you might the market may have gone up and you're buying now at $10. The idea here is that you want to be consistent with your savings. Whether you decide to save $200 per month or whatever amount you want to be you want to have saved is that you want to be consistent with the amount you're saving because some months may buy you more, some months may buy you less. It just is it just comes down to being consistent with your savings. Okay? So that's dollar cost averaging. It'll essentially average out the longer that you continue to invest and save in your in your savings plan. The next idea is around asset allocation. A lot of people really think that the market is based on timing, when truly, you know, market timing only affects your portfolio by 3%. And so what market timing means is if I bought on Friday before Louisville won the NCAA championship a stock or I bought on Tuesday or Wednesday after they bought the, the after they won the the champion excuse me the championship is does my when I buy a, a stock or a company or an investment doesn't matter when I bought it truly it doesn't matter you can buy the day after or the day before and it really doesn't matter because it only affects your portfolio by 3%. Now, the next thing is security selection. Basically, what this means is that there are companies out there where you can have two different companies. One could be Pepsi, one could be Coca-Cola. It's the same type of company because they're both beverage companies, but which one is going to do better? Same idea around Verizon and AT&T. The two biggest companies in the cell phone industry is, you know, do you want to buy Verizon or do you want to do AT&T? Same industry, but it only affects your portfolio by only 6% because, truthfully, one year AT&T might do well, the next year Verizon might do well. So, you, you know, when it comes to picking investments, you just want to, you know, make sure you're picking the right ones. But... When it comes down to it, the the biggest factor of investing is asset allocation, and all that means is that you know if you have investments that are um, are, are are like large cap industries or small international or you have utility companies, you just basically I tell clients this: you want to have a potpourri of all types of companies so that, again, all of your eggs are not in one basket. And that's really the biggest factor when it comes to, you know, making sure your investments are are, are not taking on as much risk as you want to have. Okay?
0: Okay. Uh, there are some earlier questions relating back to uh, savings. One okay. is around over-savings, and it says... Um, so, if you're saving in a savings account, does that and you mentioned the theme of oversaving, saving Does that mean that you're losing money in a savings account? And if that's the case, what is the real benefit in saving a lot of money in a saving account?
1: That's a great, great question. Um, typically, what I recommend for clients is that you have at least three to six months of your emergency savings or um, let me rephrase that, that you have at least three to six months of your monthly expenses in your checking or savings account for emergencies. So if your monthly expenses are $3,000 per month and your goal is to have six months of your monthly expenses, then your, your emergency savings goal in your checking or savings should be $18,000. Now, again, that is different for everybody. Okay, I only say that as far as your mandatory expenses because the idea there would be anything above your emergency savings expense or uh, account, you can get working harder for you. That means you can start to apply every dollar above your emergency savings account towards your 401k, or towards your Roth IRA, or towards other investing type of strategies.
0: Okay, so everything above emergency should be working for you. Yes. Got it. And the second was around interest rates, and the question is they're currently around 1%. How long will they remain so low, do you think?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, right now, you know, the Fed, the, the, the federal government, um, ha, they've basically kept inter- interest rates really low to to continue to help spur the economy. Um, what we're hearing um, now, you know, potentially going into mid-year to end of the year, is that they may have to start to increase um Interest rates just because they've been so low for the past you know three or four years, and the reason that they may increase them is that you know they don't want to have uh, what is known as as really it's super inflation basically they don't want it to be where the price of everything is starting to go up but interest rates are very low we don't want to have you know super inflation and so. You know, if you look at articles and start to look at look things up, you know, there we're seeing that analysts are seeing that sometime in the next, you know, six to twelve months, interest rates may start to come back up. Okay, thank you. Okay. Now, the next um, the next roadblock or the fourth roadblock is really just human problems that we don't really think about because. Yes, you know, people, we, we don't want to think about problems and, and, you know, but there are certain things that you want to make sure that you're planning for in case they do happen, that you're not financially um, um, p- paralyzed. So the three that we typically look at and help clients plan for is the first, premature deaths the second is disability, and then the third is a long, long-term long care stay. And basically, I'll, I'll go through, you know, the, the first idea of the premature death. Now, suppose that there are um, just a, a little bit more background about me. My, my um, mother actually passed away when I was younger, when I was 11 years old, and they – you know, she actually did not have any life insurance on her. And, you know, she passed away when she was about 44 years old, no life insurance, and essentially my older brother had to raise me, and he's about 10 years older than I am. And so the idea around the premature death is that, you know, that's something that we didn't expect to happen, but because she didn't have life insurance, you know, my brother and I actually had to work really really hard from where we are now from where we were and uh, to where we are now meaning you know we didn't i didn't have my college education paid for we actually didn't have you know any um life insurance savings you know to to get by with bills and you know when it comes down to it if somebody passes away with no life insurance you know the beneficiaries or the people who are left over you know, typically have, uh, may, may have a tough time surviving, especially if there hasn't been a bunch of savings, um, you know, built up. So that's the first thing when it comes to premature death is that you're used to having, you know, two people save or, you know, one person be the main breadwinner. But if that person's gone, that means, you know, the people who are left over, you know, can, can have a hard time um, continuing with just even normal day-to-day bills. So that's one thing. The next thing is disability. Um, so the easiest way for me to do this is, I, I showed you a disability example or a disability slide. Now, the the example here is that if somebody makes $100,000 of income, typically they're taxed on $30,000, assuming they're in a, again, 25% you know, tax rate and 6% federal tax their take-home pay is about $70,000. Now, what people don't realize is that if you're currently working and you were to become disabled um, and assuming that your company provides a disability benefit, your disability benefit is also taxable to you. Oh. Yes. So... What people what people don't realize is, for example, if you you make a, if your company covers, say, sixty percent of your disability, um, they give you sixty percent of your income in case you re- were to become disabled or injured and could not work for a long time, and this is long term disability. That disability salary is actually taxed as regular income, and you'll notice that that. DEI or disability income salary is $60,000, you are still taxed on it because at your normal income tax rates, the taxes are being taken out, that means your take-home pay would only be $40,000. Mm-hmm. And so the question would be is, based on your current disability coverage, could you afford or would you be okay based on your current disability coverage? And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've had clients have to go on disability and make, you know, Social Security claims. But when when it happens is, you know, Social Security, and you can look this up, is that their average determination time of when you've become disabled to when they actually pay your benefits is between 18 to 24 months.
0: Yeah, I was and, going to say two years. I I worked for Social Security at one point. Yeah, so you
1: you actually know, and, and so the biggest thing is that by then a lot of people have used up their savings. They've they've dipped into their 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 retirement, their co- kids' college education, and you know when it comes to the, the disability strategy, you know that's a big factor, um, a big roadblock to financial success because you know, this is something that happens to you when you're alive, okay? So, there are strategies out there that you can, you know, look into as far as supplementing your, your disability income, um, but, you know, again, it, it, it can be a roadblock when it comes down to it. Um, so, that's the disability strategy, and then, you know, the, the long-term care stay, as I talked about in the previous slide, is, you know, for some of us who have um, you know, who have parents who are a little bit older um, and you may have to end up taking care of them or um, um, a lot of people, a lot of my clients who, you know, are in their, you know, mid-30s, early 40s are starting to have to take care of their parents and, you know, that, if you're responsible for that or for your parents, you know, you may have to um, uh, uh, have additional savings To help take care of them as well. Now, go ahead.
0: I was just going to tell the audience if they've joined late. We are discussing creating and building wealth with Christina Bribonaria of Oxygen Financial. And would you please tell us more about Oxygen Financial at this point, how someone may contact you there, and any upcoming? events, seminars, webinars that the firm may be having?
1: Yeah, you can actually go to our website and find out all of my information as well as some of the events that we're holding at www.oxygenfinancial.net. Again, that's www.oxygenfinancial.net, and you'll be able to find more information about uh, me, our company, um as well as you know events that we are holding. We you know, again we actually are opening a new office um in in um in Buckhead Atlanta and we're currently located in Alpharetta um but I do meet with clients throughout the, the city and throughout the country so I can work with you um wherever you are. Okay.
0: So, I apologize okay. for interrupting you. please do get back to the pitch,
1: okay and so then, um, you know when it comes to insurances, a lot of clients um you know have have people calling them and they get offered these certain types of insurances through work and There are really four types of insurances that I actually recommend that clients avoid so that they can save more money because you know, it can save them. It seems like a good deal at the time, but, you know, that extra 5 or $10 per paycheck or per month can add up, you know, over the long term. That can continue to help you build your wealth. So the first type of insurance that I typically recommend clients avoid is what is known as AD&D, accidental death and dismemberment. Now, this is this pays out if you were to become become, um, uh, incapacitated in an accident or if you were to pass away in an accident, the likelihood of this to pay out is less than 1%. Uh, An example would be in order for this to pay out, you would have to lose maybe one eyeball and another limb for this to pay out. And they get you on it because you know, it's only $2 per paycheck or $3 per paycheck. Well, why not? You know, it's an additional life insurance policy. But, you know, when it comes down to to paying for it, there's not, um, you know, the the probability of you getting it is, is, or your family getting it, is not very likely. The next type is mortgage life insurance. A lot of um, mortgage companies offer this, but basically what happens is that you are paying um, For life insurance that covers your mortgage through the 30 30 years or the 15 years of the mortgage that you have it, you're paying the same premium cost, but the life insurance is actually reducing every year as long as you pay your mortgage. Um, That, again, could be a way that some clients are being overcharged for their mortgage life insurance. And it pretty much only covers your mortgage. It doesn't cover anything else. Um, Credit life insurance, same thing, you know, you may get these offers through the mail through your credit card companies where, you know, it'll pay off a balance if you were to pass away, Um, but again, the the cost to do this is based on a percentage of your balance um, that may not make sense where you can save those extra dollars and and put it towards, you know, a a different life insurance policy or, um, again, put it towards savings. And then you have travel insurance. Now, I've gotten travel insurance once before, and when I really needed it, um, it actually didn't pay out for me. And, you know, when it comes down to travel insurance, you know, they're, they're, um, the stipulations are very strict as far as what it will pay for um, and what you would get for it. You basically have to lose all of your luggage, um, some, a family member, um, would uh, you have to get sick or you'd have to be sick in order for it to, to potentially pay out to you. So again, the, uh, those are ways to save more money in the long run um, by avoiding some of those insurance policies. Um, and then really the last slide, you know, it, and the real last roadblock that clients have is really procrastination. You know, we, we and. A lot of us will say, you know, I'll get to that tomorrow, or I'll start saving, you know, as soon as I get my tax return, or I'll start saving as soon as I turn, um, you know, uh, uh, my golden birthday or something like that. But, you know, the statistics have been out there where a person who starts saving early, so if a person from age 21 to saves every day of their life until age 31, that person will always have more than the person who started saving at age 31 and saved for the rest of their life. And that's really because of the time value of money. That person who started saving at age 21, you know, will have the ability to start to to save and hold on to their investments much longer than a person who'd start saving you know, at, at, at thirty one. And so, you know, what I really suggest is, you know, if you, you're you're procrastinating, don't do it and, and you know, get to get to saving and you know start to create and build your wealth. And you know, basically that's it. You know, if you have any questions, you can reach me um, you know, on my profile um, at, you know, our website at oxygenfinancial.net. And, you know, again, we do offer complimentary consultations in person or face-to-face. Um, but other than that, that's all I have for you for t- this evening.
0: Okay. do do we have questions from the phone? Hello? Yes.
2: Yes. Hi. Hi, this is Sky. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, thank you for being with us this evening. Um, my question was regarding um, regarding investments, and okay. um, a question that I've had was given the kind of um, and and I really don't know as a professional if it really is that shaky, but as a person who has a four hundred one k plan, say if I'm looking at the United States as a, com- a country that is really on shaky financial ground. Would it be wise to start investing more money in international funds or international stocks? And would it be wise to have the majority of your stocks in um, international companies?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, if you were if you were on earlier, I typically recommend that you still have a potpourri of of the companies because. Again, you want to have that proper asset allocation uh-huh. um, you know, and so you want to have you know a proper amount of large cap companies or small cap companies. One thing that you that sometimes I have done for clients is if you think that international companies have been beat up but they may come around in the future, you can start to overweight your portfolio to those companies or to that type of mutual fund. But you still want to have a, a good allocation or a solid allocation, so that you're not taking on too much risk in other places.
2: Mhm. Okay. Thank you.
1: Yep. And Christina, what
0: would you say to the person who's 21 that you recommend that they start saving now? What would you say to someone who thinks that they don't have enough money to save?
1: Yeah, you know, to the person who's 21, who starts saving now, you know, I um we were all there and, you know, half the clothes that I bought when I was 21, I can't fit in anymore. Um, and, you know, part of that is, you know, the clothes don't matter, the, the shoes don't matter when it comes down to it is that, um, you know, at least you know put aside 50 dollars per month or 100 dollars per month you know uh um you know that's that that may sound like a lot but when you're when you're 30 and you've been doing that consistently you know you'll be over your you know, I don't know the math cuz I haven't haven't done it but definitely you'll be over a uh, a certain amount of, you know you'll be up into the thousands um as far as savings now to the client you know or to the person who thinks they don't have a much, don't have much to save, I would say, you know, you have to start somewhere. Whether, again, it's $50 a month or $100 a month. What I sometimes recommend is that, you know, you start with, you know, $50 a month and then you go and do that for three months. Can you increase it by another $25? Or, you know, if you can't do it after three months, can you wait till six months from now and increase it by that $25? One thing that, you know, some people don't also consider is, you know, when they get those raises from their companies that, you know, you've been living on what you had and then you get a 1% or 2% raise. This is money that you're not used to having. You know, why don't you put that into your 401K or start your Roth IRA and, and put that somewhere else?
0: Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Scott, do you have anything else? No, um,
2: I think that that's pretty much it. That's been one of my main focuses Uh, lately is on uh, reallocating some of my investments. So I was just concerned um, about um, international funds or had a question about the international funds.
0: Okay, so one of the things that we mentioned in our webinar announcement was the fact that baby boomers out-earn their children or Generation X and Y. Christina, can you talk to some of the factors or reasons for that and why Gen X and Y may not necessarily be able to take the same financial route to success?
1: Yeah, you know, like I said earlier in the presentation, you know, our our parents or our grandparents, um, at the time, they what it used to be like is that, you know, our parents and grandparents would work for a company for 20, 30 years. They, that would be the only company that they work for. And that's the only thing that they know, but they would save on a consistent basis. Um, with those companies, a lot of those companies at the time offered you know, pension plans, because the longer they were there, you know, the bigger their pension would be, or Social Security was out there, um, and, you know, I, again, I don't know if Social Security is going to be there for us in the future, but, you know, that's that's something that, you know, our parents relied, op- relied upon, um, and they didn't have to worry about, you know, do I have to save into my 401k because I have my pension plan. And and that's the biggest difference that I'm seeing now with, you know, um, Gen X and Gen Y, uh, again, people between the ages of, of 25 and 50 is that, you know, a lot of my clients have, have been, um, have worked for two or three different companies by the time they're 30. Or, you mm-hmm. know, um, they have all of these different 401Ks from all these different companies and they don't manage it properly because they have one sitting there and one sitting that you know, at a different company and they just forget about it or they get too busy. Um what I'm finding also is that, you know, people in our generation, you know, we um are you know, we we rely a lot upon social media and internet and and, and um um you know text messaging where, you know, we just don't have time to, you know, really take a a look at our finances anymore, and so sometimes we just forget about it. Um, And so, yeah, I think those are the big differences that I'm seeing um, between our parents as well as, or like the baby boomers uh, versus our our current generations.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, that interest rates were a lot higher, and so savings were Able to accumulate in the under, overspending that we talked about earlier didn't have to take place as much because interest rates were higher than inflation at certain periods, of course, because that fluctuated as well as you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, you know, a good example is when, when in the 1980s, um, some some interest rates, like you can get a CD. You could have gotten a CD, like a certificate of deposit, for for 16% interest yeah. rate.
0: Double digits. Um, double digits.
1: <laughs> you could get them for double digits, whereas now you, even in your savings account, you can get double digit interest rates. Whereas now you're barely, you're lucky if you're getting one percent. Um, and so it, it's a different, it's a different uh, model. And different economy that we have now, as far as the financial industry.
0: Mm -hmm. And what do you think about the job market? Do you see less of, let's say, your clients who are working strictly in corporate America, or are you seeing more entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, I actually, I was just writing a blog about that. That a lot of clients um, now. don't want to be tied down to a large corporation, so they're starting their own businesses. They're doing what they love um, and what they're really passionate about, and um, you know they they are their own business owners. And some of them are 1099 contractors, are contractors, and um, that's a, a different um, situation in itself because when you're your own business owner. Everything is upon you you your your savings you have to set up your retirement accounts, you have to set up your own insurances um and you know you have to pay your own taxes whereas you know when you were working with your as a w two employee as a as a um at your regular company, you know they were paying your taxes for you they had they were covering your health insurance they were giving you those options whereas now you're responsible for that. Um, but just in the economy itself is that we are seeing a lot of people going out and being their own business owners just because, you know, one, they were either laid off and they decided that they would – they'd never want to feel that way again um, from a company letting them go. And so they started to, to do their own business. Or secondly, they just found a, a real niche market, a niche area that, you know, was much it, – it, is much needed in our current industry today.
0: And would you say as well that Gen X and Y and probably more Gen Y than X is a culture that really hasn't been into saving and is more into instant gratification, whether it's due to media or whatever other circumstances it might be, the microwave generation, and long term thinking is something that we really have to talk about more as far as planning and saving and building for the future.
1: Yes um, so a good example that i I can think of is even when it comes to Facebook um, Now, I think this was Apple's fault when they created the smartphone, but Facebook started in 2005, and the only way you can get to Facebook was through your normal computer,
0: okay, Mm
1: -hmm. for those who signed up, you know, when it first started up. But now, I don't know about you guys, but Facebook is instant gratification. This is like your daily news feed and newsletter and, and whatnot where you can go on your smartphone, you can go to the Internet, and anywhere you go you have access to facebook to that picture to that video to to that news article that somebody was talking about and and to that point i do think the generations um even the, you know it, it's it is instant gratification and when it comes to long term it it can affect you know the amount that they're saving because you know, you can so easily go on to Amazon right now and end up spending, you know, you just want to look around, but you end up, you know, spending $20 because you po- you clicked and pointed two or three times, and lo and behold, you ended up buying something, you know, that you really didn't need. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you, you know, stuff like that happens all the time, and, and when it comes down to it, if you don't create uh, um, a strategy or are not... Uh, disciplined and consistent with your savings, you know, you can have, um, you can spend unnecessary money, you know, in in all these different places.
0: Yes, and, and we totally applaud the efforts of Oxygen Financial for what you're doing for our younger generation and the work that you're doing in the community as well.
1: No, I appreciate it and you know, thank you again for for having me on. Um like I said, you know, if anybody needs to reach out, you know, my profile is um is on our website or you know, you can call me directly on my my uh landline phone um and you know, should I Yes, please I, give your information again, the website as well. Yeah, if you if you want uh, if you're interested in just Learning more about, you know, what I do and, you know, how I work with my clients specifically and and how it pertains to you, you can call me directly at 678-551-7955. Again, that number is 678-551-7955. Or you can go to our website um, and click on uh, our team profile and you can find me. um, And our website is uh, www.oxygenfinancial.net.
0: Okay, thank you again. And you've been listening to Christina Bribonaria of Oxygen Financial, and our topic this evening has been creating and building wealth. We hope that you have benefited from the wealth of information that Christina has shared with us tonight. The presentation that she has referred to She's kindly given to us to share with you, and it is on the Sisters in Spirit website at www.sisters-in-spirit.net, and you can find that under the Financial Literacy Education Program section. We usually end our show with some words of wisdom or a quote from the guest and our Presenters, so Christina, do you have something for us this evening? to leave us with some words of wisdom or one of your favorite quotes?
1: Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm probably really bad at this, but I have, um, you know, one of my one, of, I guess one of the things that I always just say, you know, to my clients is that you have to start somewhere. Um, and I would say to anybody out there who's doubting themselves or or who hasn't, you know, who's fearful or whatever it may be, you know, you sometimes just have to pull the Band-Aid and, and you have to start somewhere.
0: Yep, you definitely have to start somewhere. And we invite everyone to, you know, think about all that you can have and go for it. I have a quote from Creating Affluence by Deepak Chopra, and he, had, he says, Fulfill every material and non-material desire. Create wealth and spend it. Spend it lavishly and then share it and give it to others. Give it to your children, to your family, to your relatives, your friends, to society, and to the world. For wealth is of the universe, and it does not belong to us. We belong to it. Skye, would you like to I'd share like something with one. us?
2: No, I'm going to pass. I like um, I like both of them, so I'll just relish in those, and I'll pass this evening. <laughs> hey, Chris, I really like that show Chopra. That was
0: really nice.
2: I I, I like that.
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us on the show, listeners. Thank you for being with us. The next segment is going to be managing risk and preserving wealth. So stay tuned for more information on that. Check out our website, www.sisters-inspirit.net, and check out our blog at com. You can post questions for Christina there, or you can contact her directly. Christina, thanks again. Thank Great, you.
1: Great. Thanks again. Good night. Good night.
0: You've been listening to This Internet Radio. Until the next time, enjoy the fluid flow of life by remembering to infuse harmony into your everyday living.